We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 tonight in your Bible, if you will, the book of 2 Corinthians and chapter number 6. We're going to continue on in our series standards. Why bother? And I'm going to use the scripture that we're going to read tonight kind of as a springboard. I don't do that a lot, but I am tonight as a springboard into the message that we have. And I I do believe God has something for us uh, tonight. Trusting He'll give guidance. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Look down to verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14. The Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. <clears throat> Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I titled the message tonight, <clears throat> excuse me, I titled the message tonight, Who Sets Your Standards? It needs to be a personal thing just has to be a personal thing, and I think that uh, we can drive that home a little bit. Go ahead and be seated. We've prayed. we prayed for the service. Go ahead and be seated. We'll get started into the message. There was a problem with the uh, children of Israel. Uh, they weren't like other nations at all. And uh, they weren't really happy about that. And uh, Samuel, he tried to reason with them back in that day that God was their guide. They could trust Him. They didn't need anybody else for that. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 19 says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and said, Nay, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. So Samuel tries to tell him, look, we don't need a king. We've got God. He'll take care of us. Everything's going to be okay. And they said, no, we want a king that sits on a throne. We want a king that wears a crown that can fight our battles for us. We want a king that's going to lead us and promote us. We want a king that's going to meet our needs. I mean, someone that will take into... We need a king that will take into consideration how we feel, you know, and, and might even make changes accordingly. I mean, we want someone that can better understand us and the way we want to live. Come on, that was pretty much their argument, truly, in a nutshell. I just... But their king was God. 
And we know this, he wasn't going to be controlled. He wasn't going to change. He wasn't going to be controlled by any outside forces. We know this, he was always right. And the thing was, if they disobeyed him, he was not going to wink at their sin. I mean, he brought consequences when they failed to follow him. Consequences. Oh, come on, you know, like plagues and famine, fiery serpents. I mean, he did. He brought consequences when, when the people wouldn't follow him. And in the same portion of Scripture, without going over there and reading a lot of it, they had pretty much blamed Samuel for the way that, that they were feeling about this. They pretty much blamed him for it. You can read that. It's kind of like they said, Samuel, you know, you're really old. And your ways are just antiquated. What we need, we need a younger, we need a younger man that knows how we feel. I mean, after all, Samuel, you messed up with your kids. So they're certainly not candidates for what we need. It's as if they were saying, you know, Samuel, if you were just a little younger, or if your sons had stayed on track, you know, maybe even they could be our king. And look, Samuel, you're a good man and all, but we need someone that is up with the times, you know, like other folks. We need somebody that understands the world today. We, we want a new style. We want a style like everybody else. We want a style like the world. We, we need a king so we can be like everybody else. Pretty much what he said. What they said. But God had no desire for his people to be like other nations. I'll say that again. God had no desire for his people to be like the other nations. They were a people that were set apart for him. And yeah, absolutely so. Samuel's sons were wicked and they, it had to be hurtful when the people brought that up to Samuel. So Samuel went to the Lord seeking direction. He didn't know where else to go. So he went to the Lord seeking direction. And the Lord gave him direction. He, he, pretty much the Lord said this, Samuel, just give them what they want. And, and Samuel, don't be discouraged because they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. No, that's what God told him. They're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. They don't want me to lead them. I've delivered them from many a harm. I have provided for them all along the way, but they don't want to follow me. They just want to be like everybody else. That's their desire. I really do believe there's a great falling away going on today around the world. Uh, people are falling away from God into, they're falling away, they're falling, mm, come on brain, mouth work together. They're falling, they're falling away from God in a realm, in a realm of fictitious beliefs about God. What, what do you mean, preacher? A lot of professing believers want to believe what they believe about God. They want to believe what they believe about God without any real indication of their beliefs being true according to the Bible. This is the way I feel about God. This is the way I think God sees things. Come on, if you've talked to many people at all, I mean, that's exactly the way that they try to come across. 
Oh, they believe God is real. Yeah, God's up there. He's somewhere up there. They believe God is real. They believe He created everything. But they're falling away from the truth of this book. And some, some even once believed the truth of the Bible. But now they've turned from that. And they've declared something else to be the truth. And now they live by what they've decided to believe. Come on, that's what Romans chapter 1 uh, uh, describes, isn't it? Letting, letting us know that those that turned to their own, own way back then ended up living lifestyles that were completely contrary to what God would have them to live. Because they turned away from the truth of the book. They abandoned the truths of the Word of God in favor of their own truths that would allow them to live lifestyles that God does not condone. It's exactly what they did. And that's exactly what's happening today. All across our land. 2 Kings chapter 17 verse 15 says this, And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and his testimonies which he testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. So God had told them, come out from among them, be separate. We're not supposed to be like them. But they said, oh no, we're going to have our way in this. It's really what happened. Come on, just trying to put it in a nutshell so I can get to what, what I'm going to try to bring here. So if we are to develop godly standards... If we are to develop godly standards that we live out day to day... Listen to me. That we live out day to day for the rest of our lives, we need to start with the right attitude. It all starts with the right attitude. Truly. We need to cultivate a mindset. Well, what mindset is that, preacher? Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 says this Thou art worthy, O Lord. To receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So what kind of mindset, mindset do we need to develop? Well, we were created for God's pleasure. Come on, that's what the Bible says. We were created for God's pleasure. Another way of thinking about that is we were created... We were created to please God. We were created for that. Um, that should be our mindset every day. Needs to be our mindset. Come on, as born again believers, needs to be our mindset. We, we, we were created to please God. When I read my Bible, I should be looking for ways that I might better please God. Truly. No, no, no. Uh, with this mindset, I will do as commanded. I will obey His voice. I will be committed to His Word. I will do those things that please Him. According to Romans 15.1, I am not to please myself. No, that's Bible too. Uh, I am not to please man. Whatsoever I do, I am supposed to do to please God. That's Bible. And you may be asking yourself what this has to do with setting your own biblical standards. But this is the start of everything. No, no, this is the start of everything. If you want to have your own, your own biblical standards, 
This is the start of everything. No, no, no. Not my standards. Not your parents' standards. Not the Sunday school teacher's standards. Your own personal standards. This is where it starts. It's the start of everything. Um, If we're going to have personal standards, it will require the application of biblical principles. Come on, I want you to get this. Really, I want you to get this. If we are going to have our own personal standards, this is my standard. Why do you do that? This is my standard. Well, how come? Because the Bible says this. So, so if we're going to have those personal biblical standards, then it's going to start with the application of biblical principles. If it's going to work well for you, If it's going to work well for me, then, then, then I must want to please God. No, if this is going to work well, get this, come on, get this, get this, get this, stay with me. I must want to please God. That's got to be the main thing. And if not, then it will go the way of carnal Christianity. Carnal Christianity, what, what are you talking about? Well, it usually ends up sounding something like this. Oh yeah, well you just show me exactly where God says thou shalt not about this. Okay, let's start, let's start with this one then. Um, don't smoke crack. Well, preacher, you show me exact verse for that. Well, we cannot find the exact verse in the Bible. Just like we can't find the exact verses about smoking cigarettes or dipping snuff or pornography on the internet. There's no exact verses on that, but the principles are there. Very, very clearly. No, 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 they are there. And then you think about this. If all those things were there in our Bible, okay, let me take you over here uh, to uh, Marshall chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, Thou shalt not smoke crack. <laughs> but if all those things were in there about smoking cigarettes and dipping snuff and, and being, you know, watching stuff on the internet you shouldn't watch, if all those things were named, how confusing would that have been to all those years ago before the internet was ever created? So Bible, uh, uh, God in His wisdom gave us a Bible that's full of principles. Yes, amen. Biblical principles. Instead of naming all of the drugs that we should never use, God gave us principles. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So don't damage it with drugs. Come on, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, so don't damage it with drugs or alcohol. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 tells us that we are to submit to the ordinances of men, so don't go breaking the law by going and buying illegal drugs. Yeah. Come on, it's a principle that's there. Yeah. You, you can't get past that. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 tells us not to be brought under the power of things, and even if they're legal, so don't waste your resources on gambling. 
Come on, we could go one and one with this, and I'm not because I want to get on down. We know what pleases God. We know what pleases God without Him saying, Thou shalt not smoke crack. We know it's a principle of the Word of God. Our main mindset, our main mindset must be to please God. And if our main, if our main mindset is if our main mindset is not to please God, it's much easier to say, well, there's nowhere in the Bible that God says not to do this. When you're reading your Bible, wanting God to show you what pleases Him, you need to be prepared to change your life according to what you see. I'm going to say that again. When you're reading your Bible, wanting to know what pleases God, Lord, as I read, please show me what how my life can be pleasing to you. When you're reading your Bible, wanting to know how you can please God in your life, you have to be prepared to change your life according to what you see. Because if not, you'll just blow right by it. Preacher, I read my Bible, I just don't get anything out of it. That's not God's fault. I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be ugly. It's it's not God's fault. There's all types of things in there that God wants to speak to you about. But if you don't go to that word wanting God to speak to you, wanting to better learn how to be a Christian, wanting to learn how to please God, you're not going to get much out of it. It's going to be boring every time you read it. You might as well just you might as well just read the reader's digest because you're going to get just about as much out of it if you don't have a desire to please God. So let's define a couple of things here. You, you, preacher, you keep saying scriptural principle. Yeah, let's define that. Scriptural principle. That's a plain statement, direction, or observation of God's will as revealed in His Word. A general truth from which other truths are derived. Come on, a biblical principle. You can see other truths in there and how you're to do things or not to do things. So let's, let's think of that one. Come on, stay with me here. And then conviction. Scriptural principle. And then let's, divine, let's define Conviction. Conviction, conviction is a firm belief based upon a scriptural principle. Okay, let me make it personal. Conviction is a firm belief based on scriptural principle that I have engrafted that compels me to change how I live. Engrafted. Engrafted. What, 
What's that supposed to mean, preacher? Over in James chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So receive with meekness the engrafted word. Okay. Grafted plants are simply are simply taking your desired plants grown on top of a hardy I, I got this I got this from a, a plant thing on the internet. Grafted plants are simply your desired plants grown on top of a hardy rootstock. The rootstock. Okay, there, there are two separate things that are made to grow together. They're made to grow together. The rootstock provides what the graft needs to produce fruit. Okay, when I receive with meekness the engrafted word... I bring it inside of me to become a part of me. And you do the same. And if we will allow it to grow into us, the quality of fruit that is produced changes. And once it becomes a part of me, I have a new conviction. I I, I have a, a firm belief based upon scriptural principle that compels me to change how I live. We know who the root is, right? Yeah. Because it is possible, isn't it? To hear God's Word without receiving it. No, it is very possible. I'll make that not a question. It is possible to hear God's word and not receive it. And therefore it does not become engrafted and in turn it does not become a conviction. Because Bible convictions are this, thus saith the Lord. Bible teaching, Bible preaching, and Bible study is to, be, is to be received with meekness and then engrafted into our lives and is to become a part of us. Come on, stay with me. That's an important part. We're going to get on down. I'm headed somewhere. It really is an important part. That we would be engrafted Oh, I don't even know if I can get it. To the root. I'm not going to try. So let's talk about personal standards. Okay? I mean, that's, that's where we're at. We're talking about standards. So, let, let, let me just recap real very quickly. Scriptural principle. It's a plain statement, direction, observation of God's will is revealed in His Word. Uh, a general truth from which other truths are derived. Conviction. A firm belief based upon a scriptural principle. 
that I have engrafted that compels me to change how I live. So then let's talk about standard. Third thing, let's talk about standard. The definition of standard would be something like this. A rule I impose on myself to help me keep my conviction. Look, I've heard a lot of different things. But our conviction needs to be the Word of God. are truths that are derived from a principle from the Word of God. That's where the conviction comes from. Well, how come? No, 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 because you can say, this is my conviction. Well, how come? I can take you to the Bible and I can show you why. And so our standards, our standards, is a, it's a rule that I have to impose upon myself to help keep my conviction. Okay, following a logical line, it goes like this. It goes like this, a logical line. Scriptural principle brings conviction. Conviction must... Come on, brain. Conviction must suggest a standard for your life. How is God speaking to me with this? Now, what am I supposed to do with it? And how is this supposed to shape the way that I live? To where that if anybody asks me why I do this, I can take them to the Bible and say, this is why. Not, well, my preacher says so. Young people, listen to me. Well, my mom and dad dad say I need to do that. Well, y'all don't mind your mom and dad, but that shouldn't be why you do what you do. So... It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's so crazy because there's so many people that have no idea why they practice what they do besides they were told that in church. And if that's the case, if that's the case, the things you hear in church, they, they may be valid and all, but you cannot be assured of them because it does not come from the engrafted truth. Come on, and somebody starts questioning you about it, and it's like, well... Well, because they say that's right. I mean, no, no, no. We need to have a better answer than that. And I'm telling you, if we would get this down, please, please stay with me. If we would get this down, I, I I believe that we would have stronger standards about things in our life. We get this down. If there's no conviction from engrafted truths, it won't be long before you have no standards. I'm going to say that again. If there's no conviction from the engrafted truths of this Bible, it won't be long before you have no standards. If your standards are just based upon the authority of the preacher or based upon the authority of the church that you attend rather than the authority of the Bible, those standards will be as temporary as your stay at that location or until that preacher is gone. When that preacher leaves, your standards will go right with him. Because you had that because of him. Not because of this book. I want you to listen to me. A standard based upon what someone has said may be scripturally true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the person holding to that standard really does not know that for sure if it's all based on the trust or their obedience to a preacher. 
Well, I just do that because they say I need to do that. That's not a good reason. Because see, at that point, there's nothing infallible to fall back on because they have no idea where their standard is rooted in scriptural principle. They have no idea. <clears throat> Come on, isn't it sad? Catholics follow the Pope. They follow the word of the Pope as, as it were, infallible. But he's not. Muslims follow after their Iman because of his unquestionable authority. Whatever he says, you better be doing that. That's why they follow that. When, 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 when I as a pastor, or you as a parent, please get this, when I as a pastor, or you as a parent, fail to instruct in our final authority, the Word of God, we do our followers a real disservice. So here's the route. Scripture, principle, conviction, standard. And that is an order that will bring us to a place of fearlessly standing where God would have us to stand. Where God would have us to stand. Too many Christian standards were formed because of what a respected pastor told them years ago. But that will always cause problems somewhere down the line. Someone has well said, nobody lives someone else's standards for a lifetime. Oh, that's a great quote. Nobody lives someone else's standards for a lifetime. We should be like the Bereans from Acts chapter 17 and verse 11 who searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. Being in this book. We must learn to take these timeless truths and apply them to our own present generation. The timeless truths preached by Isaiah all those centuries ago will need some fresh application for the days we live in. But I'm telling you, they're still truths. We don't hold on to things because they're just old. Preacher, you're just old-fashioned. We don't hold on to things just because they're old. Yes, and yes, we are old-fashioned. We're old-fashioned, Bible-believing Baptists. We call ourselves that. We call ourselves that because the world has abandoned a large part of the Bible truths that we still believe today. I'm not ashamed of that. I'll stand on that. No, no, no. We don't just sing hymns because they're old-fashioned. We sing hymns because the Bible says that we should sing hymns. Bible says so. And we don't preach the whole counsel of God just because that's what men were doing all those years ago. We preach the whole counsel of God because the Bible tells us to do so. We, we do need to be careful. We do need to be careful equating traditional with scriptural. Come on. We do need to be careful equating traditional with scriptural. Our scriptural paths are old but not all traditional paths are scriptural. So we have to be careful. So again, Scripture, principle, conviction, standard. Got one more point. A few more sub-points, but one more point. 
and this one is heavy on my heart. We must put truth in our children. Come on, come on. No, 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 don't check out. We must put truth in our children. If we simply put truth on our children, we're going to be prone to lose them. We need to put truth in our children. Surely you've noticed over time all of the teens and all the 20-somethings that have walked away from their church and the way they were raised. And I'm not talking just about Riverside Baptist Church, but I could talk some about Riverside Baptist Church. And there was a time that they respectfully lived according to their parents or their pastor's standard while living there at home, but quickly cast all those away as I approached graduation day. Live the way I want to live. Do what I want to do. And many a parent has grieved over their children, wondering, wondering why they were so quick to abandon their beliefs and, and who is to blame for this? When, when the truth is those young people didn't give up any beliefs. No, as they walked away, they didn't give up any beliefs. What is happening is that they are now expressing publicly their true beliefs. Because they had beliefs on them, but not in them. That was a difference. Absolutely so. Young people, stay with me here, young people that want to please God, they have a desire to please God to the point that they will engraft His principles as convictions that, that, that propose standards in their own life will not change at high school graduation or when they get to college. They're not going to change. They believe what they believe because they believe God. And they want to please Jesus. They have a desire to please Him. So being true to themselves means that they will continue to be true to God. You know, a big part of life is about choosing who you want to please or who you want to look like. It's crazy. But we were made, we were created to please God. And teenagers aren't the only ones that have problems with this. Adults have problems with this too. Yeah. 
Sure. Uh, come on, preacher, you know, I don't want to dress weird, look different from everybody else. So the problem with that is that we don't want to please Jesus enough to do it just for Him. We, we want acceptance from this world more than we care about pleasing our Savior. Separating ourselves from these different entertainments and what all that God would have us separate ourselves from the world. Someone has well said, I like this, I really like this quote. Someone has well said this quote, if you knew how quickly people would forget about you after your death, you will not seek in your life to please anyone but God. End quote. My desire as, 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 as pastor is to teach biblical standards by conviction. That's my desire. Truly my desire. Surely you've been around here long enough, you've, you've seen that. And that's going to start with staff. That's going to start with leadership. We'll start that way. Because when a pastor and staff and leadership don't understand what they practice based on the knowledge of biblical principles, they're going to have a hard time living it in front of others. They're going to be prone to want to uh, throw them away also when everybody else around them is not living that. And if that's the case, in the long run, biblical standards will become more like a uh, job requirement at certain locations during certain hours. Well, I've got to dress this way or do this when I'm in a certain place. You know, there are certain corporations that if you are employed by them, you have to abide by a mandatory dress code. I mean, the, the, come on, there are companies that require the employees to, to remove piercings, any piercings that might be evident, cover tattoos, have natural colored hair, uh, wear their business-appropriate clothes because they expect their employee to re- represent that particular business. Just the way that it is. And, 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 and many of those people that work in those places, and I'm not talking bad about them. I'm just saying that's just the way it is. Don't, I'm not talking bad about them. And many of them that work in those places and abide by those things as they go to work, I mean, as, as soon as they get home from work, they immediately change back into their own styles because it isn't anything that they believe. It's just what they have to do to work there. I just don't think a lot of people today see the connection between separation from this world and pleasing Christ. I don't think it crosses their mind. But it really should be our reason for separating from this world. We should want to please Him. Is this pleasing to Him? Is this acceptable to Him? If your mindset is not, stay with me, I'm right it done. If your mindset is not pleasing Christ in all that you do, when Bible principles come up that look like they may cost you something, 
you'll find a way to argue that that certain principle is just not for you. If your mindset isn't pleasing Christ in everything that you do, when Bible principles come up that look like they may cost you something in this life, you'll find a way to argue that that principle just isn't for you. The truth of the Bible, are you still with me here? The truth of the Bible, it just won't matter to you at all. Pleasing God will not matter. All that will be in your mind at that point is fulfilling your fleshly desires to live according to the ways of the world. And you can make that choice. I say it all the time. You, you can. You can make that choice. But God really wants much more for us. He wants much more for us. So our mindset is everything. Do I want to please God in everything I do? Who sets your standards? In setting your own biblical standards, you must love Jesus. Come on, I'm right it done. You must love Jesus enough to want to please Him. Number two, you must know the Bible well enough to know what pleases Him. And number three, you must have enough Christ-like character to make it real every day. That's what God wants for us. Who sets your standards? Are you allowing this to do it? Are you loving Jesus the way you should? Or do you even care? No, it's a thought. It's a thought. I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. We are to love Him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. First and great commandment. If we'll get that mindset down, this will come alive and our lives will begin to change. We can have some Bible convictions that change the way that we live every day if we're loving Him the way we should. Let's stand. Stand with me. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, take Your Word and use it. I don't know how You may have spoken to hearts tonight. We just pray that Your will would be done in every life. We're trusting You for those things, for we ask it all in the perfect name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Piano's going to play. Folks are coming to the altar. You need to come tonight.